Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Latch Mama podcast. Melissa here. It is a beautiful 60 degree day in February here in Richmond, Virginia, and I am super excited about it. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about one of the hottest topics in our Facebook group, and we get questions about all the time, which is sleep, how to get it, how to maintain it, and how to get your babies to close their eyes for a little while. So stay tuned. You're listening to Latch Mama Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, busy mom of six and owner of LatchMama.com. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, breastfeeding, postpartum, and all things motherhood. All right. Today, I am joined by Diana Flutie, who is a sleep consultant and owner of Big Sky Lullaby, which is a company that helps us get our little ones to rest a little bit. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. We always like to talk about sleep, although it is somewhat of a controversial topic, um, especially kind of in the attachment parenting world. But I think that there, there's definitely science to be learned behind it. And there's definitely things that, um, you know, we can explore. I know. From my experience, I am completely different with baby number six when it comes to sleep than I was with baby number one. Um, and I've learned a lot. So I think it's an important conversation to have. So I thank agree. you. Yeah. Thank you absolutely. for being here. Do you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you kind of found your way to the world of sleep training yes. or the sleep consulting? Yes, I, I would love to. Um, so I started my business. I launched my business. Um, eight years ago. Okay. And the way that I got into it is I had a son. Um, and when I was pregnant, you know, I had conversations with other moms, just like we all do about, you know, diapering or feeding or clothing and, you know, never, never sleep. Sleep never came up. And it just wasn't something I ever really thought of. And um, I had been a nanny, I'd worked in daycares. And so I thought I, I, I had it all figured out and, and I would be fine. Um, and then I had my son. And he started crying the second he was born and he didn't stop. And he also did not sleep. And we um, lived in a, uh, a new area where we didn't have family and friends close by. And so it was just a very desperate situation where my son literally did not sleep more than two hours in a row. Um, I had one of those. That was my number one too. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's, it's, it's no joke. Terrible. It's, it's hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard to function and, and to know what to do and how to fix it and you feel like you're failing and it's just it's it's overwhelming and um one day I was out in public can imagine what I looked like and um (laughs) somebody came up to me and said you know you can hire somebody to help and I was so confused I was like do you mean a nanny and she said no an, an infant sleep specialist or a child sleep consultant and I was like what is that and so she handed me a business card and I called the, um, the, the woman on the card and we spoke that night and she said, you know, for this amount of money, your son is going to be sleeping through the night, um, taking his naps, falling asleep easy with no crying. And I thought, you know, that's impossible. How on earth could that happen? But I really had nothing to lose at that point. Yeah. And so um, purchased her program. Uh, my um, son's dad came home and we... We started the program and the first night, um, so my son had a very strong eat sleep association because just like a lot of new moms, Mm -hmm. I thought I was supposed to feed him to sleep. And so um, the first night was rough. It really was. My my son's dad tried to call our sleep consultant at three in the morning and fire her. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was like, no, that's that's not how this works. We've already paid her. Um, and uh, the second night was was rough, but better than the first, honestly. Yeah. And then the third night, my son slept 12 hours through the night. It's it's remarkable if anybody has ever gone through the process of trying to encourage your children to learn how to sleep, mm-hmm. how quickly it happens and how quickly it's almost like the body so wants quickly. it to happen. Yes. You yes. know, and that still shocks parents till this day. It almost still shocks me. Yeah. You know, we'll have a child that night one, they sleep through the night and it's just because that's what their body, you know, it's really what all needed. of our bodies need to yes. do. Like, and it's just, it's almost like you have all of these like firing neurons and I'm sure you can tell me a little bit about the science behind it. And then suddenly it's, you just line them up, right? you know, and it right. all just starts to click. Mm-hmm. And then they get in the cycle where like they're on a schedule or they're, you know, they're actually like happy when they're supposed to be happy mm-hmm. and they're not tired. And it's a little bit less, I feel like, and we can, like I said, I'll, I'll let you tell you, how, I'll let you tell everybody how this works, but it's almost like everything becomes easier. Like the weight of motherhood becomes a little bit easier because more likely than not, you're going to get a break at the end of the day. And more Absolutely. likely than not, you're you're at least going to get a few hours where nobody's touching you or like they're actually sleeping and you can breathe and you can focus on hobbies or your partner right. or whatever like that. Yeah. So Absolutely. And, you know, for example, when before we went through the program, my son's father and I, we would sleep in shifts. Mm-hmm. And so my shift ended at 1 a.m. And if he was not out of the door, out of the bedroom at mm-hmm. 102, yeah. I'm like texting him like, it's your turn. Yeah. Um, but we sat on the couch and held our son and mm-hmm. slept in shifts. Mm-hmm. And after we sleep trained, um, my son fell asleep every night at 6. And we knew he was going to sleep soundly through the night until 6 a.m. And it life-changing for our relationship i mean we look at each other and it's like well now what like we can order dinner we can rent a movie i mean it was just and knowing that our son is peacefully sleeping getting the sleep he needed um you know really was was life-changing for us as parents as well yeah and it's it's interesting because i look at the comments in the facebook group sometimes and i always say that my job will be done in terms of like content and supporting moms and stuff when moms everywhere realize that they're not going to be able to bring their newborn home and lay them on their back in a crib and their newborn's just going to go to sleep. Like, because I think that that's what we set up in the United States and so much like build this beautiful nursery Mm -hmm. and get this perfect crib and Mm -hmm. make sure, you know, you get an organic mattress and the, Mm -hmm. and the best sheets and you're going to come home and you're going to put your baby in that swaddle and you're going to put them on their back in their crib and they're going to go to sleep and then you're just going to look at them and you're going to marvel at how beautiful they are. Yeah, it doesn't happen like that for most people. Right, right. <laughs> and and the key is that it happens for some, which yeah. throws us off. Which, yeah, absolutely. It absolutely throws us off. I tell but- you, I've had six and it has not, I mean, maybe five or six minutes. I think probably by number four, I just stopped trying because right. I just knew that it was much easier to right. do whatever we were going to do for those first few months before we started, you know, encouraging them to kind of learn a little bit more about, you know, their body and, and what works for them. Right. And so that's, and that's the exception. Mm-hmm. So the rule would be that it's, you know, you have to teach your child to sleep. Yeah. And so, you know, like what I was saying before when I was pregnant and, and, you know, you have conversations with moms about various things, you know, it's never, 
well, what sleep training method are you going to use? Or what, um, how are you going to set up the nursery so that it's, you know, the best environment for sleep? You know, those conversations, I think, should be had more and more. Absolutely. Um, surrounding It's sleep. just like the breastfeeding conversations. Like, you exactly. know, what, like, yes. what have you done to prepare? Or even birth? Like, what, like, have you thought about how your baby's going to enter this world? Exactly. You know, it's, yes. the, it's, the, it's the important conversations that I think if you start to connect them together, we will probably have less of like a maternal mental health issue in the United States. Because Absolutely. Because they all fall together right um so talk to me a little bit about kind of the program kind of science behind it just for the f- people who are sitting there tired have a seven eight month old wonder if they're ever going to sleep again talk a little bit about the body and and how it works and why it's important to kind of encourage your kids to actually learn yeah how their bodies work right um and so you're fine what we want to <laughs> do is we want to Teach children how to sleep independently. So that's the the main concept behind sleep training. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was learning, we used the term sleep changing because that's what we're doing. We're just changing things. Um, and so what happens is that when we put our child to sleep, so let's say we rock them to sleep, feed them to sleep, bounce them to sleep, and then we lay them down. Um, they don't get the opportunity to learn how to fall asleep on their own. And until we give the child the opportunity to do that, they're they're never able to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Because they've never been had the opportunity. So if you're constantly putting them to sleep, when they wake up, they think that that's how you fall back to sleep. I need intervention from mom and dad, whether it's bouncing, rocking, feeding, whatever it is. Um, That's how I go back to sleep. So I've got to lay here, cry so they know I'm awake. Um, I have to wait for them to come in so that I can go back to sleep. And so what we do in the program is we're teaching the child that that's not the case and that they are able to put themselves to sleep. However, the main idea with behind that is to set them up for success. So what I mean by that is making sure all of the elements are lined up and in place at the same time. So you need to make sure that the sleep environment is set up properly. Um, you know, it needs to be pitch black. We need to have white noise. All of those distractions, like anything that glows in the dark, lights up, mobiles, anything that plays music, all of those are distractions and need to be removed from from the sleep environment. Um, also, we need to make sure that we are controlling our wake periods during the day because once we have an overtired child, um, they're either not going to fall asleep or they're going to fight sleep for a really long time. And so when they reach the overtired state, their body is no longer producing um, or getting ready to produce melatonin, which mm-hmm. is the sleep hormone. It now releases cortisol, which is our, stress. our stress hormone. And, you know, so you hear people use the term, oh, I just got a second wind. Well, that's what's happening to your child. They just got a second wind and and they're not going to sleep now if we don't if we don't control those wake periods. So it's about setting up the sleep environment, controlling the wake periods so Mm -hmm. that they don't enter the overtired state and then finding a sleep training strategy that meets your parenting style that you can be consistent with um, and that everybody in the family is comfortable implementing. And we're, we're covering this topic knowing <laughs> that, you know, people feel very passionately about whether babies should be next to mommy, you know, whether, you know, babies should ever cry or whether their needs should always be met. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, and I, I go back and forth. Like I said, I have six kids and I've done different things with like each of them. And I have an age where I will not even consider it. 
Um, I will not consider letting them cry it out. I will not consider, you know, not going to them and attending to them, you know, when they need it. But then we, we reach a certain age where it's almost like we have a mutual understanding at that point Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm not going anywhere, but they, they truly need to learn how to settle themselves Mm -hmm. because it's a skill and it's a tool that they're going to need to use for the rest of their life. And I told people, I've said this a few times on the podcast before my latest was born in September, I was getting more sleep with five kids than I had gotten with one or two or three, just because we had implemented everything that we had learned by the other ones to Mm -hmm. the point where apart from a sick child or a bad dream every once in a while, I was getting a full eight hours of sleep and uh i knew that it was going to be life-changing when he came just because we had we had kind of mastered what worked well for our family right um so i think it's important as we talk about these things for people to also remember that it doesn't work for everybody and it doesn't feel like the right answer to some people and that's okay um but for the people who are really, really struggling out there who don't understand why their kid won't sleep, it may just be because the kid doesn't know how to yet. Right. And, and when I speak to pediatricians or, you know, I, I do sleep seminars for moms groups or, you know, just speak to groups of moms. I always make sure I say that I don't think that everybody needs to be my client. Yep. I just want the parents that want help and yep. need help to know that it exists mm-hmm. because, you know, people like me and you who are in the, you know, the community yep. with, you know, kids, we know about these resources, but every single day I meet mm-hmm. someone that says, what is a child sleep consultant? Yeah. And, you know, I really want to change that. And I'm, I'm very passionate about, you know, not only being, you know, helping children, have healthy sleep habits. Um, I'm also passionate about maternal mental health there, because there it is just, yeah. I, I, I was in a very dangerous situation. You know, I was in a community where, you know, I didn't have um, a spouse at home and, and I didn't have family nearby and my son literally did not sleep. Mm-hmm. And the only professionals I see are, you know, when I go to doctor's appointments. And so, you know, I always want to make sure that they know to tell parents that if you need this resource, mm-hmm. um, that it is available and it does exist um, because it's really desperate situation for some people. Yeah. And I watch the people sometimes that get really, really, really angry about sleep training. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of want to ask them like, okay, so you don't feel like the baby and the mom should be separated. That's that's fine. Whatever. You know, you think we should need to attend to needs all the time, but what use is a mom to a baby? If the mom is not getting more than an hour or two of uninterrupted sleep at night, right? Like it, and you're talking to a mom sometimes that's on the end of their first year and they still haven't gotten more than an hour or two of interrupted sleep because the baby is in the cycle where it needs the mom constantly. Absolutely. So, I mean, I I really, truly think that we need to look at this with like kind of a a wider scope in the sense that like this isn't like black or white. This is, you know, used when it needs to be used. And I think it's it's definitely a great thing to learn, just like potty training, just like everything. You know, your kid has to learn how to recognize what's happening in their body. Right. And I think it's also really important um, to mention that I I get calls for moms all the time. And a lot of them will ask me, 
what is your method? Like as if mm-hmm. I only have one method um, that I think everybody should absolutely use and this is the only way to go about it. And I just want to say, you know, if you're speaking to somebody um, and they only have one option, I would just, you know, explore other other options, other avenues, because it's not um, a sleep consultant's job to tell you what to use. It's our job to be trained on all the methods and to meet the parenting style to, to the method. Because I assume that this is going to be different for a breastfeeding mom versus a formula mom, formula feeding mom or after solids have started or something like that. So it's actually, that's a, I'm glad you brought that up. So that's a big misconception. So breastfeeding, um, weaning your child, that none of that needs to happen to get your child on a healthy, um, sleep schedule. You can still nurse at, at every feeding. Um, you can still nurse, um, you know, until whatever age you want to nurse. Um, you just have to separate the eating from the sleeping. Um, and that's whether it's, it's formula, it's breast milk in a bottle, it's nursing, it's solids. Um, we just have to separate the eating from the sleeping. So just to hit on a couple of things in terms of tips that you have so you mentioned that the sleep space should be dark and you recommend white noise yes um anything else yeah absolutely so the temperature um for a child 12 months and under should be between 66 and 71 um and then also the pediatric association is now suggesting that there is a fan added into every sleep environment for a child 12 months and under um, and that it significantly reduces the risk of SIDS. Um, So it's not that the fan needs to be blowing on the child for, you know, comfort. Mm -hmm. It's that um, we just want it somewhere in the room um, helping the airflow. So talk to me about, I feel like every single time I either watch Shark Tank or open Facebook, there's another swaddle thing that has been invented that is supposed to help your baby sleep whether it's weighted or whether the arms are in arms are out like I said I've got six kids so I'm like I'll try this I'll try that but then I just come kind of like it's gonna happen when it happens at this point but what Tell me about those. Yeah. Are you so? I think that um, swaddles when your child is in the newborn stage. Um, absolutely, you need to swaddle your baby. I get the moms that say, "Well, my baby hated the swaddle." No, no, no. Your baby needs to like the <laughs> yep. swaddle. There's many ways we can go about um, practicing. There's the super swaddle technique. There's video. I mean, there's lots of ways we can yep. get you to swaddle your baby, um, and it and is really important. Um, once they are able to roll. Um, um, then obviously we have to, we can't swaddle their their arms anymore, and so that might be during the newborn stage. Um, but once they they reach that 16 week mark or the four month mark, we want to take their arms out of the swaddle anyway. Um, I think a good transition swaddle is the Merlin's Magic Sleep Suit mm-hmm. after um, their arms have been swaddled 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 in um and then i also really like just the weight of that one is that what you like it's the weight yeah um because their startle reflexes are still Still, so immature that um the weight of that one um is helpful um but also then you know when they roll or there's a lot of movement i just like parents to transition to the zippity zip which you know you mentioned Mm -hmm. shark tank that was on there and it's uh it's a really great product though because the child has full range of motion right so they can stand up crawl 
crawl, move. Um, it doesn't restrict them in any way, but it's like a wearable blanket. Yep. And so you don't have to worry about them being, you know, cold. And then it also helps with that startle reflex. Um, and then, of course, you know, um, sleep sacks are, are helpful down the road when we have toddlers, when they start to try to climb out of their crib. That's something that we can use. Um, so if you put a sleep sack on your child and they're trying to climb out of their crib, that's one strategy. It's not all of them. Um, but a lot of parents will do that to prevent that for a couple months as I haven't, well. I haven't had a climber. Caroline just now. My You haven't had a climber in six? I haven't had a, I have not had one climber. I've not had one that has climbed out of their crib and come to find me. Well, oh. I should really knock on wood because Caroline did it for the first time the other night. But she'll go. I, I really, truly think it's just setting that expectation and getting it all it all right. And now she's like number five and she sleeps in our closet, which we like made into her room, mm-hmm. which is like right off of our bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but we break all of the rules at this point. Like she has like her crib is full of toys, not unsafe toys, but like stuffed in. Like, I, don't, I don't know. I won't even go in there because I'm sure I'll get emails about how unsafe <laughs> it is, but she's two now. But anyways, um, yeah, she just climbed out for the first time, but as long as like everything is good when she goes down and she goes through her routine, which I think is probably another thing we should talk about. Mm-hmm. She knows it's time to go to sleep mm-hmm. and she goes to sleep and she stays in there and she sleeps, she sleeps with a, with a poppet, which I'm sure once again, I'm sure nothing is supposed to be in the crib with her, but at two, I feel like we're getting to the point where she can have something. She sleeps with a poppet and if she wakes up, she plays with her poppet. I don't know. It's so, I don't know. Okay. Don't judge um, me. But. Well, that's, that's good. It's good for her to have a comfort item yeah, in there. Absolutely. That, that works. Some people have like stuffed animals. My yeah. Child there you with go. The thing. Uh, but what you brought up is yeah. really important yep. because a lot of parents will at that point get rid of the crib. Yeah. No. Um, they're and not climbing out. That They're not getting, I'm not getting rid of the crib. Yeah. But even if, you know, and then when they do climb out, we, we need to troubleshoot because you don't want a child younger than three, um, in a toddler bed or a regular bed if you can prevent it. So a lot of parents will say to me, you know, what age do you recommend transitioning out of the crib? And I say at least age three or until Mm -hmm. they ask for it. You know, we really don't need to transition them before. And I feel like sometimes that's America then, the consumerism of America coming into like, oh, I need to make the big girl room or I need to make Mm -hmm. the big boy room. Let's, you know, transition. No, like I have reached the point where if sleep is happening, I'm not messing with it. Right. Like sleep I, we're, we're good. We right. figured out what works in our family and we're good. You're going right. to stay in a crib until it's not time for you to be in a crib. Right. anymore. And then, and that leads me back to um, a question you asked earlier about, you know, the, the products and yeah, I call them gimmicks that yeah. are out there. They're supposed to help children fall asleep. Um, what I can tell you is there is no product. There is no tangible object. There is nothing out there that is going to, there's no app, there's no music, there's no story that's going to be read that is magically going to teach your child self-soothing skills. Um, so, you know, please don't buy into that. It's it's just not helpful, you know, and it's misleading. And, and the more that you try things that don't work, the harder it is to do things that actually do work. Um, so, um, you know, just stay away from things like that that, that seem to be too good to be true because um, they probably are. So talk to me about routine. Um, so a routine is, is really, 
really important. So I call them soothing routines. And what I explain to parents is that a child's soothing routine is really what they associate with sleep. And it's what we use um, so that it can be either parent, it can be a babysitter, it can be a nanny, a grandparent, it doesn't matter. Um, Because what your child associates with sleep is those steps. So you know, you would go into a space in in the room, I I have my clients create what I call a cuddle corner, Um, they go into the cuddle corner, they do the exact same steps every day and every night. And then they get they get laid down um, in their crib awake. Okay, so that's another Mm -hmm. big misconception out there, the term drowsy but awake, that is just for newborns. Okay, we are not putting our child down drowsy. Um, Once they're out of the newborn stage, your child should always go down awake. Once they are showing you they are drowsy or that they are tired, they are now overtired. So a lot of parents will say to me, but he didn't look tired, so why would I put him down now? Um, Because I want your child to be in their crib in the dark room with the white noise on and and the door shut when that over when those sleepy cues hit. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to hit before we even start the soothing routine because then by the time it happens, Mm -hmm. uh, we're too late. Something I've learned too, and this is not based on anything, but um, other than experience (laughs) at this point, um, if you're not ready to sleep, to sleep train or to have your baby away from you, you can still start Mm -hmm. those routines. Mm -hmm. And that's what I start to do as soon as I can kind of like come up for air after those first couple of months, Mm -hmm. like, um, Matthew and I, we take a bath every night together. Um, which is kind of fun because he was born in our bathtub. So it's like, it's cute, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, but then he gets, you know, he gets his pajamas on and he gets to hang out with his siblings and we all kind of watch TV in our room and stuff. But once he knows when I swaddle him, I don't have to nurse him down anymore. So like we're at four months and like, that was my goal is like, by the time we get to four months, he needs to know kind of when I swaddle him and I hold him in a certain way that that's his cue to start learning how to settle himself down. So there's little things that you can do if you're not ready to take your baby if you do, you know, co-sleep or have your baby somewhere that's Mm -hmm. not in a crib. Um, You don't have to just start there. You know what I'm saying? Like you absolutely can start teaching them the small skills Mm -hmm. and the small signs that, hey, it's time. Like we're going to turn the lights Mm -hmm. out now and maybe we're going to put the white noise on and I'm going to swaddle you and I'm going to hold you and I'm going to teach you hopefully that, you know, we can go to sleep without milk. You know, we can go to sleep. I know you're full because I fed you after the bath, Mm -hmm. but you can go to sleep without maybe Mm -hmm. that sucking reflux or reflex going on. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, um, it's really important to that. That's what a lot of um, my newborn packages, Mm because you cannot sleep train in the newborn stage. Um, But it's all about teaching parents the healthy habits you want to aim towards um, and the unhealthy habits we want to steer away from. Um, So that's a, that's an important part of it. And then also, um, you know, what I was saying before about the the method, um, a lot of people think that sleep consultants, um, we only use cry it out or we promote cry it out. And I just I want people to know that that's really not the case at all. Um, you don't really even need to hire a consultant if you're going to use straight cry it out or extinction. Um, and I, Ugh. you know, my son did not sleep and everybody, neighbors, relatives is were telling me just put him in his crib and let him cry. 
And I just thought, no, there has got to be another way. And that's why I refused to do it and, and ended up, you know, on the path I was on. So I just, I want people to know that, that there is, um, there is going to be crying, but it doesn't mean that you have to be separated from your child yep, when they're crying. I mean, and I still remember like when we finally, with our first one, decided to, we decided we had to do something, mm-hmm. like decided we were not going to be able to survive if we didn't mm-hmm. teach him a little bit how to sleep on his own. And it didn't, he was definitely, he's still to this day is our oldest and will be the first one in bed. If I were to let him like in bed mm-hmm. with me, like he's just, he, he's just who he is. Like, right. you know, and he wasn't, we didn't really encourage it at a young age. We waited until he was over a year and stuff like that. But anyways, I still remember sitting on like his bedroom was like right next to the stairs. And I remember sitting on the top stair and I was crying and he was crying and I was watching my phone and I would go in at every, I don't even know what our interval was at that point, but it was like night one or two. And I would go in every four or five minutes. I don't even remember. And like, we would just sit there and we would cry together and I would hold his hand and I would rub his back. And I don't know if you do touch at that point or whatever, but, um, yeah, definitely. you know, it was, it was so hard, but by night three, he had it. Yeah. And it was unbelievable. And it didn't feel like this super like traumatic separating event that I thought it was going to feel like. Right. Right. Absolutely. And when I, um, the, the sleep consultant that I hired, um, and used, she said to me, Think of your, because I chose a method where I was going to be in the room with my mm-hmm. son the whole time. And she said, think of yourself as a cheerleader there yep. to show your son support as he learns to put himself to sleep. Yep. And that really resonated with me. I was like, I can do that. Yeah. I can certainly do that. And so that's what I did. You know, I sat in the chair. I offered comfort, mm-hmm. um, you know, as he, as he figured it out. And so, you know, I know he's not hurt because I'm looking at him. I know he's not scared because I'm right here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that he, if he could talk, he would say, I'm exhausted and I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, and so since he can't talk, he cries. Yeah. Um, and I've just got to be here to support him until he figures it out. And that, um, that really helped us. And so, you know, what I can tell families is, you know, if you, if you take nothing else out of this, if you hear me say nothing else, The main concept here is you have to get, you have to teach your child to go from awake to asleep while lying on the mattress. But that doesn't mean you need to be separated. You can have your, your hand on them. You can be shushing. You can be stroking, patting. I mean, I was halfway in the crib with my son hugging him. I mean, he could stand at that point. Um, and so laying them down, you can lay them down up to five times, but after that it's a power struggle and you're not going to win. So I was just (laughs) leaned over as he was standing up, shushing straight into his ear, Uh heavy stroking. And eventually he kneeled down and eventually he laid down and it does take a long time night one at bedtime it does yeah. um and a lot of clients you know wouldn't get through night one if it wasn't for like my my one-to-one support right there in text message you know yeah. live support um because it is it is hard but once you get through um that first step it's it's almost shocking yeah. as to how quickly it comes together i don't know it's so funny like i think at the beginning when i was like a first time mom like i thought that there was such an emotional connection between sleeping and you know, needs and stuff. And I think what I have learned through parenting is that it's just a biological thing that kids need to learn and like teach them when you're ready to teach them, teach them. If you want to wait until they're 
two, teach them when you're when they're two and you're at the end of your rope. But you can also teach them much earlier and change kind of the dynamics of what your household looks like. You know, absolutely. And I, I get you know really desperate phone calls from parents. You know yeah. that are in a really bad situation. And you know especially during the pandemic, that was just you know emphasized even more. But um, a lot of people are almost ashamed of, of the sleep situation in their house. They don't talk about it a lot. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a bad situation. You've got a lot of parents sleeping at shifts, sleeping in different rooms, mm-hmm. um, playing musical beds in the middle of the night, you know, with kids that are eight, nine years old, cause they never learned that skill. Um, and so, you know, it can, it can carry on into, into poor sleep and it's habits. Absolutely nothing to be ashamed of because no. they get there by just trying to be the best parent that they want to be. Absolutely. And they want, they get there by wanting to be, close to their kids and meet their kids needs which is why this is such a hard topic to talk about because you know i i don't i don't know it's just because people are so passionate about the fact that they're supposed to be there for their kids and i think part of maybe being there for your kids is also to teach them a skill that they're going to use for the yeah rest of their and, life. and what i found you're know, just talking to parents over the years is a lot of times i find like stay-at-home moms mm-hmm. will almost feel like they're that's their job Um, And that if they can't figure it out, that they must be doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, you know, I'm the the kind of person or mom or business owner that is happy to delegate things. And so I know not all moms are like that. But, you know, it's just like hiring a lactation consultant Mm -hmm. if if your child is is not um, latching properly or a physical therapist if they're having trouble, um, you know, with their milestones. And so, you know, sleep often gets put on the back burner, but it really should not. It is essential to cognitive development. It's essential to our emotional regulations. Um, You know, there's just there's so many benefits from it. And, you know, if our child wasn't eating properly, we would be going through all the steps, hiring all the people we needed to hire to make sure they were eating. And I think it sometimes doesn't come up until they enter school, too, or they enter preschool or their behavior. Like, because I mean, I have a couple that I can know like by breakfast time, if they slept well the night before and know whether it was going to be a bad day or not, or be a a harder day or not simply based on their behavior. And then I have some who can be up every hour if they're, they need to, for whatever reason, and they keep it together throughout the day. So it's also based on, you know, kids and, Mm -hmm. and their personalities. So why does, why does this fail for some people? Good question. So it fails because not all of the elements are lined up and in place at the mm-hmm. same time and they're not being consistent. So a lot of parents will say, um, well, we're just we're going to start with night sleep or we're going to start with naps. Well, how is a six month old supposed to understand that during the day, mom or dad are going to rock me to sleep and lay me down? But at bedtime, they're going to expect me to be laid down awake and to put myself to sleep. And then when I wake up throughout the night, they're going to expect me to do that again. But then tomorrow morning when I take my first nap, I don't have to do that. They'll rock me. You know, that's, I mean, think about that. That's what we're expecting a six month old. That's not going to work. So it has to be um, consistent across the board. And, and, you know, what I tell parents is, you know, don't start the process until you're ready because once you're, once you start, you don't want to stop, um, you know, and so it's the lack of consistency, um, the lack of, you know, su- support or a solid um, foundation in your, your sleep plan. So if you've mm-hmm. created it on your own, um, you know, and a night goes is not doesn't go well, you start mm-hmm. second guessing yourself, you start changing the plan. Um, so, you know, just the lack of support, lack of confidence in your in your mm-hmm. own plan. Um, and then, you know, 
just not doing um, all of the the things that need to be done in order to see success at mm-hmm. the same time. So controlling the timing, not having any sort of a sleep association, um, having that sleep environment set up properly, um, and just being being consistent with it. Yeah, as much as it is normally a quick process. Um, I would add to that list as well with the consistency thing, making sure that you don't have anything in the weeks or (laughs) months that follow. Um, like I know that I'm going away and I'm, I'm still a few months out from, from even trying with the little guy. Um, but I know that I'm going away and I know that he's going to sleep with me when I go away Mm because that's what he does. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would never try and start right now transitioning him to his own sleep space knowing that i'm gonna go away and he's just gonna get cuddles all night again right and i was just i was laughing when you said that because like my program's two weeks and so i always tell parents like please just give me my two weeks like you just paid this money for this like give me my and then they'll be like oh we forgot we have a weekend camping trip on thursday it's like great (laughs) yeah can't wait to navigate through that Um, so yeah, you know, you want to just, you know, put in that work. Um, and once you have a child that has a solid sleep schedule, Mm -hmm. has natural melatonin producing, right? Because we've all heard of, um, people taking melatonin, giving it to their kids, you know, what sleep training does or sleep changing is it gets their natural melatonin to produce. Um, so once we have a child who has um, their sleep hormones are regulated, um, they're balanced between day and night, and they, um, you know, have a, a solid schedule, they're the ones that are able to be flexible and mm-hmm. miss a nap or have a late bedtime or, you know, have a special occasion where things are mm-hmm. off and, and they're going to be fine the next day where it's the child that doesn't normally have that if things are thrown off um it's harder it's harder for them to get it's funny though because like i think about life with my first and we could go anywhere and do anything because he would nap in a carrier and he would nap on me and he would you know he would sleep with me and it was great we never had to bring like a pack and play or whatever anywhere so in some ways it was great but he was a loose can like i would have to go to bed with him like if we went on a vacation I'd have to nurse him down and I would have to lie there with him, you know, whereas now with our kids, by the time they reach like the age of one, like even the grandparents brains have kind of had to be trained to the point where like we need someplace for that baby to sleep, which is just so different than the first, especially one and kind of two because they would just sleep, you know, wherever. But it was also I was a slave to nap time and to bedtime and everything like that. So. It's just interesting, you know, there's there's changes that happen and stuff. So yeah. this has been awesome. What else? Where can people find you? What else do you yeah, want us to know? Yeah. Um, so I have um I have a website and then I I'm locally here in Richmond, but I do travel a lot. So I do um in-home consultations. And when I say in-home consultation, that's just the the time where we're going to talk about, you know, the plan and come mm-hmm. up with the plan together. Um, so I can do that virtually or in the home. And then we work together um, for two weeks. And after that two weeks, um, I send you your follow-up packet and then you guys are, are good to go. Um, I also do in-home support. So in addition to the sleep training package, some parents will hire me to spend that first night in the house, um, first couple of nights, first weekend, things like that. Um, I also do training. And so I train nannies, I train daycare staff, um, things, things along those lines. Um, and so my, my website is bigskylullaby.com. Um, I also, 
Um, we have a Facebook page, Big Sky Lullaby. Um, we have uh, Instagram. And so, um, yeah, we have a pretty good online presence. Yeah. So I mean, I love wrapping this up. I loved what you said about the fact that, like, you know, you wouldn't think about hire. You wouldn't think twice about hiring a speech pathologist or, mm-hmm. you know, a physical therapist or a therapist for yourself. You know, like there are people out there that have studied and are experts on so many parts of motherhood that we all feel like we have to do alone and mm-hmm. that we have to walk through by ourselves. And mm-hmm. if I've learned anything in 10 years of being a mom, it's that inviting those people into your life only teaches you and only supports you more and makes motherhood so much more joyous and so much in some ways feels so much easier. Right. You know, absolutely. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for teaching moms and kind of meeting them where they are and, you know, offering them the support that they need. Yes. And thank you for giving me the platform to get the word out there to the moms that are really struggling. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks.